Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. Thanks, Aaron. We're here today at Fife Street Brewing in Charleston, West Virginia. So much good beer stuff is going on in our capital city these days. And one of the leaders in making it happen is Fife Street Brewing and its head brewer, Gil Peterson. Charles, that is so true. And I am pleased to introduce head brewer Gil Peterson as our guest today. Gil, welcome back to West Virginia Beer Roads. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Hey, and Gil, you brought a beer with you here, at least the first one for us to, to taste as we get started with this interview. And maybe you could introduce the beer for us. Sure. Uh, first up, we have our Chuck's P51 Porter. That's an American-style robust porter. Um, a little heavier on the alcohol than your typical porter might be. It's 7.4% instead of the usual 5 to 6. It's very roasty. It's got great aroma. Yeah, good color and the lo- lovely tan head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really approachable beer, nice and balanced. Uh, you get a little bit of a fruity hop character to it, too. What's... Uh, been the key to developing this recipe a little uh long periods of trial and error (laughs) (laughs) you you mentioned that it was you know above like a typical porter abv why is that um market trends you know people were really after the high high Uh, abv beers for a while okay so we decided to to corner that market yeah Yeah. i mean it's an american style porter come on aaron that's uh we we don't mess around we got a (laughs) i just was curious because he he mentioned that so i was just curious (laughs) well gil in the in the past year it's been pretty much a whirl whirlwind here uh getting fife street open and keeping the beer flowing from what I've seen, though, the customer response has been very positive. Gil, what's your overall reaction to getting this place up and running? Well, we thought we were going to be busy from the outset, but uh, the response we got from opening day was you know, above and beyond what we could have hoped for. Uh, this place was packed pretty much every single day for the first few months, and we were <laughs> regularly running out of beer, <laughs> uh, which wasn't the best thing, but we made do. Sure. Yeah, I remember Growing those. Pains. I remember those days. I mean, you had a like sometimes you'd only have a four, three, four, or five beers up there uh, on your tap list. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, we didn't uh, we didn't set out wanting to have guest taps on. We just wanted to have our own Fife Street brand on, um, but uh, we decided just to keep the the variety flowing. That we we'd go with some t- uh, excuse me, we'd go with some guest taps, and uh, lucky enough to have a lot of great beer right in our backyard and a lot sure. of guys willing to help us out yeah sure. you guys must have been ecstatic about how much business came in the door right at right after you opened i mean absolutely yeah we uh we were on the fence between getting the seven barrel brew system and the 10 barrel brew system and i made the great call going with seven and <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely get into some some equipment discussions during this this conversation for sure but well let's think back for a minute to where you began uh, with your beer menu when you did open last may and maybe some of the things that that went into your thinking about where you wanted to start and then let's go on into how that's progressed so let's start with uh, where you opened in may and what was your philosophy on the the different uh, styles you offered then before we you know move on into the progression to today yeah so we designed our tap room uh with a 12 tap tower uh but that was really geared toward future growth uh so we decided to open up we were going to come out the gate with four or five uh beer styles 
and really just focus on perfecting those. Um, my biggest fear as a brewer was going to be opening this place and, and not having our best foot forward beer-wise. So we just have to dial it down and just focus on our main, our core lineup. Yeah, so then it certainly, that stayed, those four or five styles pretty much are recurring even until today. Is that, mm-hmm. isn't that right? I mean, uh, that's right, yeah. Our, our core lineup really hasn't changed. We, uh, we opened up with the Charleston beer, the Golden Ale, uh, the Summer Street Wheat, uh, the Chuck's P51 that we're drinking now, and our Charlie West Coast IPA. And uh, the response to all four of those was pretty, pretty solid, so we stuck with them. Okay, and then when you finally did catch up with, uh, you know, brewing and then be able to actually make some different styles beyond those f- uh, five cores, uh, how'd that go? And what, what was your thinking about what you wanted to bring in? So I, I may have mentioned in our last interview um, that our philosophy going into it was going to be to sort of let the people of Charleston dictate what our styles were going to be. Uh, so I just kind of set out to just brew a whole hodgepodge of different stuff and see what stuck. Um, mm-hmm. We've pretty much been continuing that. Um, I think we've got a lot of pretty solid styles out. We've done a lot of variety um, and just letting the people, you know, buy what they want and, and uh, disregard the rest. <laughs> yeah. And so how many beer taps are you trying to keep full today at the, at the tap room? So we have 11 of our own beers on tap right now. Uh, the 12th is, has been reserved for um, hard cider. We've got a pretty good partnership with the guys up at Hawk Knob. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, I know also you've uh, recently added a little distribution to the mix. And I guess as the mad rush uh, settled down here from the grand opening time of last summer, that now in 2023, you're actually distributing a little beer out into the market. And I know not a whole lot, but talk about that for just a little bit. Yes, we uh, decided that we were going to go with uh, keg distribution starting the first of the year this year. Um, didn't realize that dry January was a federal holiday around here. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pretty slow rollout for us. But. It can be, yeah. <laughs> um, we also launched our cans, uh, 16 ounce four packs in the tap room. Um, two mixed reviews. I think this, the sales have been far short of what we expected, but um, enough, to keep, enough to keep the beer fresh. Yeah, and I think is that partly because I mean your desire to keep fresh beer. So if it's sitting in the tanks here at the brewery, you want to move it on and canning it and putting some distribution with kegs and cans that helps you keep that beer fresh. I assume. Absolutely. Yeah, I think our main goal with distribution was um, not to you know saturate the West Virginia market uh, from day one, but just to move enough beer outside of here that everything on the tap room uh, tap list is as fresh as possible. Well, Gil, as the brewer at Fife Street, you work in the back of the house. You work and spend your time literally behind the wall, away from the customers in the tap room. And in my experience, it seems that most brewers prefer that kind of work, you know, focusing on brewing and not having to deal directly with the customers at the table. So what I specifically would like to know is, as your brewing program at Fife Street has progressed, what system do you guys use to ensure that you're getting the customer feedback communicated from the tap room back to you in the brewery. So we have sort of a couple of liaison channels that we use between the two. Uh, me as the brewer is, is, you know, trying to be as communicative as possible with the front of the house as far as getting new beers on tap and letting them know, you know, how to describe certain beers to customers. And then um, any feedback that the taproom serving staff gets goes to a manager, which, you know, and it will make its way back to me at some point. 
Uh, I also try to utilize social media to some extent for that. You know, sure. I, I I do look at Untapped. I kind of take everything with a grain of salt, but <laughs> it, it does good for oh, yeah. averaging out. Yeah, I think especially you guys have been getting a ton of reviews on Untapped. I mean, mm-hmm. as a new brewery, I've noticed that because I follow it too. And I I think when you get higher numbers, you do kind of get a feel sometimes. You know, for what a beer, how it's re- reacted to by the by the folks that are your local customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you feel like, in general, the 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 situation you have going regarding customer feedback is working pretty well, and it's reaching you where it needs to reach as far as what you're brewing and what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. If it's not a verbal, um, you know, communicative feedback, um, just the the sales that we can see and and the beers that are flying off the shelf and the mm-hmm. ones that aren't goes it says a lot. So specifically, give me an example. Is there something you can you can discuss regarding any adjustments that you've made due to customer feedback that you received at the front of the house that made its way back to you, and then you've adjusted for it and how it worked out? Uh, yeah, nothing major. Uh, I would say that one example of that would be uh, we had a lot of comments on our Charleston beer when we started out. Um, Homebrewers especially were picking up on you know whether or not this recipe had any corn in it. Um, which it doesn't. Uh, I was kind of <laughs> taken by surprise when I first heard it, but after hearing it a couple of times, um, yeah, I try to look at everything pretty subjectively. So I, or objectively, excuse me. Uh, I tried the beer a few times out of the can, different ages, different temperatures. Uh, definitely noticed a little bit of a corny note to it. Um, so I just adjusted my boil time basically and just boiled it for a little bit longer. And uh, I think we ended up with a little cleaner product. I didn't have that corn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know there are a myriad of adjustments a brewer can make. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been around it enough to, to notice you guys work magic by just making tiny little changes that do impact the mm-hmm. flavor and the profiles of the beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a follow-up to getting customer feedback, though, uh, I'd like to hear your read on what you've picked up as what are your customers' preferences in beer? I mean, what are you seeing in the current market as far as what beer drinkers in Charleston, West Virginia want to drink? I think the IPA is still king for the most part. <laughs> that um, it is. <laughs> um, but our our gold nail, um, you know, sells outsells just about everything two to one in the tap room. Uh, I think that's a pretty good example of the bigger trend in the market, which is everybody, everybody's kind of drifting toward the more sessionable beers again, the yeah. lighter style beers. Maybe you could just give a quick uh, couple sentence description of the taste profile of your gold nail for people who haven't haven't tried that here. Sure. Uh, the Golden Ale is brewed with um, German base malts, Hollertau Blanc hops. Mm-hmm. So the combination kind of gives it a nice, I always say, orange marmalade kind of sweetness mm-hmm. with a, a white grape hop flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither one's overpowering, though. I think it's great for both people that want to sit and savor the beer and also people that just want to chug a few. I think we're moving forward. We're gonna. I want to start getting into some lagers here pretty soon, um, and we're going to I wouldn't say steer clear of the high alcohol ones, but, you know, do it with some moderation. I personally would like for you to talk about the rise in popularity of the hazy, juicy IPAs and the fruited kettle sours. When we talk to other brewers in the state, we commonly hear that these are by far the strongest two categories for customer demand, just very regularly. Fife Street, though, has been a brewery that has offered fewer of these styles than several of the other popular breweries in the state. So, Gil... Maybe you could explain your thinking on keeping a balance of beer styles of the taproom. Yeah, we've definitely noticed when we do roll out a juicy or a hazy IPA, or the sours especially, um, we get you know great responses with them. Um, but it just doesn't fit our mold to have you know multiple of these beers on tap at any given time. We just have a little more variety. 
Uh, but we are, I will say, we are in the process of figuring out the best way to roll out a, a year-round juicy IPA and just make it as cost-effective as possible for us. Okay, you heard it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a, that'll be a red-letter day, you know, for the, <laughs> the juicy, and it'll be a hazy as well, or just a juicier profile? I would describe it as a hazy IPA with a West Coast hot bill. Ah, nice. Oh, there you go, by goodness. Back to the roots. Yeah. <laughs> Kill, you brew a lot of styles already, as we've seen, either whether there were small batches or big batches. I mean, as this fall and winter have gone on into 2023 now, we see a ton of different beers you're making. And I'm just curious, though, it's hard for me to figure out yet, what do you really like to brew? Like, what are your favorite styles to brew? And how do you develop your own brewing signature? I'd say I'm in the brewing minority right now, as I like to still brew the malt-forward beers. <laughs> uh, so I, I did put a lot of effort into some of our Belgian ones that we rolled out this past year, uh, the Dublin Quad. Um, have a pretty tasty Imperial Stout on tap right now, I think. So I'd, mm-hmm. I like to try to hone in and focus on malt profiles more than anything. Yeah, so is that kind of what you'd like to be best known for? Um I know there's a demand, as we were just saying, like on uh, hazies and juicy IPAs mm-hmm. and kettle sours and kettle things. Kettle sours, yeah. Yeah, or, or quick sours, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does it fit to some extent with what you like to drink? Is what you also want to be known best as a brewer? I try to discuss that. No, I would with say, some... yeah, our overall impression um, isn't really for me to say. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd like to hear, you know, from our customers what our what our overall beer impression is. Uh, I guess if I had a goal, it wouldn't necessarily be a particular style or anything. It would just be that uh, anybody can come in, and they're not going to find a bad beer on tap. Yeah. So when you mentioned that you like to brew those, you know, malt-profile beers, mention a couple that you have brewed here and ones that might likely be returning. Uh, sure. Like the the Belgian styles we have rolled out have been pretty well-received. Uh, which was kind of surprising. I wasn't expecting that, that necessarily from uh, day one on the Charleston market, but uh, we did a Belgian double and a Belgian quad that have both been uh, pretty highly rated, and we'll both be seeing bigger batches of those this mm-hmm. year. Fife Street Brewing is a small brewery with only a handful of fermenters and conditioning tanks, and I know this can put pressure on production scheduling depending on how beer sales are going in the front of the house. When you have had to make adjustments, how do you manage your work schedules and your tank space? That was one of the biggest issues that we were running into um, from the outset when we started to regularly run out of our staple beers. Sure. We had to dedicate a lot of our tank space to one or two brands that we had to brew all the time, and it was the main reason we couldn't keep up with any sort of variety on tap. Insert Charleston Golden Beer here. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So it wasn't very long into the process that we actually went through our initial expansion and actually got some 15 barrel tanks with our seven barrel system mm-hmm. uh, just to free up the, the smaller tanks for some new stuff. What, what would you say in your opinion is the, is the key to getting that scheduling correct or, or right as far as timing for you, as far as a brewing schedule goes? For me, it's just keeping a close eye on inventory, uh, making sure I know what's, what's in the cooler at any given time. And uh, now that we've started distribution, really keeping tabs on where, where beer's going and, and who's going through what efficiently. Yeah, so you think that now that you've had uh, eight months or so experience here at the brewery, that that's going to help alleviate any of these production bottlenecks, what you can see at least for the level of demand you're experiencing now? 
it's looking good now. <laughs> I guess once the uh, the beer drinking market picks up again in the warmer weather, we'll see. Yeah, I know. There's still going to be a learning curve in our first year. <laughs> tends to be a little slow here in the middle of the winter, uh, but yeah, especially like you say, we just came out of a dry January and all that. Well, Gil, do you have any plans for additional equipment or other things aimed at enhancing production scheduling? Nothing on the immediate horizon. Uh, we do have some space reserved for additional fermentation space if we needed it. Um, we just hasn't, haven't like pulled the trigger as far as ordering the equipment. Yeah. And uh, we'd be running into some diminishing returns here pretty soon. I think if we went too, too much farther with fermentation space in our current space, it would be more than we can handle in our footprint. So. Well, you, you you know recently added a canned beer cold box to the brewery tap room. Talk about those sales. How how are the cans selling? Uh, it's been lackluster to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really expected our can sales to be uh, sort of a boon to our you know missing tap room sales for January. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's been pretty slow. It's been steady, but uh, yeah, yeah, not as not as popping off as we'd hoped yeah well january's tough but what <laughs> so what beers do you have normally available in your cold box so right now we just have the four mainline beers that we discussed earlier okay uh we do have plans for this year to do sort of a seasonal schedule we'll be rolling out we'll be rolling out some smaller batches as the year progresses uh, remind us again you said your your four main flagship beers that'll be available in your cold box remind us what those are yep so we have four four pack 16 ounce cans of our charlie west Coast IPA, our Charleston Beer Golden Ale, Summer Street Wheat, and Chuck's P51 Porter. Nice. And these are also sometimes maybe available somewhere else or, or not? I mean, are these any of these in distribution, I guess? In one yeah, can sales we have reserved for in-house only just okay. to test the market and see what uh, the demand was actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we get a better f- uh, finger on it, we'll... Uh, you know, discuss putting in the in, at least in the local Charleston market. But keg wise, they that those particular those four styles are available just not in cans, but like they have you distributed those as a keg for places. Yep, all all four of those are are readily available in kegs, and uh, we are distributing some of our seasonal stuff as well. And how many off premise accounts this winter do you think you guys are keeping uh, away from the tap room? Uh, just a handful of regular ones, but we do mm-hmm. have uh, new ones popping up every single week. Okay, yeah, and I guess that's a good way to, like we were talking about the importance of freshness in the beer, that's a good way to keep beer fresh here if you can distribute mm-hmm. what you've got plenty of. Mm-hmm. can send it out to the bars down the street or across town. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's our main goal is just to make sure that we have enough room in our uh, cold room here that we can supply it with fresh beer all the time. Sure. Okay, and when we get back, we're going to take a break just to let Gil pour us a second sample, and we're going to talk about another Fife Street Brewing beer here in just a minute. Absolutely. And we're back at Fife Street Brewing, downtown Charleston, with Gil Peterson, Aaron McCoy, and I'm Charles here on West Virginia Beer Roads. Gil, beer number two that you're letting us so graciously sample this evening. What is beer number two? So here we have our French Creek Freddy. It's a French-style Saison uh, named after the local Groundhog, <laughs> released, <laughs> released recently on Groundhog Day. Yeah, I know. French Creek Freddy is not to be confused with Puxitani Phil. It's our, <laughs> it's our West Virginia Groundhog that predicts the weather for winter and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, tell us about this beer. I like to try to capitalize on the spiciness of the French yeast. Uh, used a little bit of rye malt in this one. 
as well as some fresh white peppercorns in the boil. So all those things would emphasize the uh, the spiciness of this. Yep, you get a really good phenolic, uh, peppery sort of floral nose. And a uh, little bit of that rye spice carries through into the flavor. Some nice floral tones and some honey notes. Yeah. It's uh, super clear, or yeah. almost clear, but very light in color. Yeah, and light golden color. Mm-hmm. Has a great head. Very great flavor. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk just for a second before we get off this uh, tasting it back to the interview, though. Um, what uh, you see is the primary differences between the Belgian-style Saison and the, what you're calling the French Saison, even though they're you know, basically bordering areas there in, in Europe. Uh, I see the, the Belgian Saison as being a little more um, bubblegummy and a little fruitier yeast, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the, the French one that I used here is a little more phenolic, a little spicier, and uh, dries out a little bit. So a little sweeter on the Belgian side. Yep. Yeah. Well, today on Summer Street in downtown Charleston, I think it's on fire from a craft beer perspective. Over the past year, we've seen Fife Street Brewing's opening, along with Short Story Brewing's new tap room down the street, both added to the existing Bad Shepherd Beer Company, all on the same block of Summer Street. It appears to me that this has created a lot more excitement and traffic on the block. Some nights I see hordes of craft beer lovers filling all three tap rooms. And as a beer writer, it's what I've been waiting for. Charleston, West Virginia finally has a brewery district. So I'm going to ask Gil Peterson here at Fife Street Brewing. Gil, what's your take on our little brewery district and its impact on the market? We are really excited to see uh, the craft beer boom here on, on Summer Street. You know, I'm talking to Ross at Bad Shepherd, they were the only game in town for how many years? Nine yeah. years. <laughs> Long time. Yeah. Nine years, but well, from when Charleston Brewing, which became Bad Shepherd. Right. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they were, it's been uh, like nine years or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, once we moved in and saw this kind of craft beer boom with Short Story and uh, Charleston Nano moving into town too, uh, you know, really excited to see the craft variety that we have here. And uh, looking forward to see where it goes, too. I think we can afford to see a, a few more pop up in Charleston. Yeah, it's really changing the craft beer culture in, in the heart of downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, I see that very much. I mean, you could not see that many people drinking local beer on a weekend as you do. That's just crazy down here on Summer Street. And, folks, if you're anywhere near the Charleston area and you haven't been down to Charleston Summer Street District, on a weekend or well any other day the breweries are open get down here and and you gotta look and give this a try and in in terms of uh the beers that that this little brewery district offers how would you characterize the differences among these three craft beer tap rooms i think it's pretty cool to see each one have their own little unique style and their, their unique flair um i think we're all doing something that the other isn't doing so and we're, and we're not afraid to point somebody in a different direction. You know, if somebody really wants a, a hazy IPA at Fife Street, we don't stock them all the time. Um, short story is, is fantastic, Adam. So if you want to pop over there for one, have at her. Support. Yep. And I think there's a lot of uh, uh, reciprocal behavior in that regard, too. How much control do you have over being able to choose what it is specifically style-wise as far as flagship and or if you want to deviate from that? what you brew and and how you fit that into your schedule so we have a one barrel pilot system as well and i think that goes a long way in determining what gets brewed as what we would call a seasonal release okay um so i pretty much got free reign as as far as what gets brewed on that 
Uh, and every once in a while, you know, somebody else will come in and say, hey, I'd like to see you do one of these, or so-and-so over here has been having some su success with this style of beer. Let's try that out. Um, and, you know, one barrel of beer doesn't last very long in the tap room, but sure. it gives us a good gauge on it, whether that's going to work or not. Uh, so as far as scheduling goes, uh, we've got our seasonal releases for 2023 pretty much ironed out. And every one of those beers is one that you've seen on the one barrel system before. Okay. So it's it's a tried and true recipe. Um, we don't very often go, you know, seven barrel full batch with something we have no idea how it's going to turn out. <laughs> but, but if you want to do something different as as head brewer, how do you approach that? With that? Sure. It's, uh, it's always a juggling act between, you know, getting your production done and having having fun at the same time but i i do prioritize tank space to stuff that we need to get done uh luckily you know having 11 taps and some bigger tanks now there there do come times where we have open tanks and we can we can afford to mess around with some of that stuff and if i if i want to do something a little out there a little a little weirder than we've done in the past uh for the most part management's not a tough sell well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, you got four pretty strong personalities and the, the four uh, main owners here, and I think they probably come up with uh, beer ideas for you now and then, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's we, we brewed a lot of different styles in the past year. Uh, it's tough to keep the ideas fresh and keep the new ideas flowing, so any suggestions are, you know, are at least written down and, and given some serious thought. Yeah, and I think one of those that uh, I enjoyed that had started on the pilot system was the Carriage Trail Pale Ale. Mm -hmm. And while I would call that an IPA, uh, I know you called it a pale ale, but uh, that was a dynamite beer when it came back in the, the seven-barrel batch. It, uh, yeah, really good beer. <laughs> I guess my personal take on it was it had about one-third the dry hop of our normal IPA. So, <laughs> Well, it, it just had plenty of hop flavor, let's put it that way. So whatever technique you used, uh, <laughs> it, was, it seemed to me to be a pretty hop-rich beer. But, well, let's talk for a minute about the overall West Virginia craft market today. And from your experience, Gil, when you used to work in Alabama at, at a brewery for a number of years, how do you think it compares to what you saw in Alabama, the West Virginia market today? I think from a consumer standpoint, I see a lot of similarities in that um, the West Virginia market is pretty open to new ideas and new things. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a whole lot of, of recipes and ideas that, you know, kind of fall flat. Um, everybody's pretty receptive to what we're doing. Um, I think we can probably get a little bit out, more outside the box, a little weirder with our ingredients and stuff, and we'll probably still see the same reception. Okay. Yeah, so you got any bitches, though, about the way the beer market is here? I mean, things that you like, but the market doesn't, and then it's like, well, what's going on here? I mean, anything else that we need to work on as a, as a craft beer consumer here? Not that I can think of. Um, you know, I, th I really think the market here sort of lines up not only with uh, our vision here at Fife Street, but... My personal choices as a beer consumer so hey, fantastic you found a good home we're, we're so glad <laughs> yeah. you're, you're we're glad you're here <laughs> which which is like the perfect entrance to my next question which is so many changes for you gil personally for you and your family in the past year and a half you know moving out of state for a head brewer position at a brand new brewery and trying to na navigate that in a location that's already going through a, like a major change of its own um and of course having a baby on, during all of that we, we can't <laughs> leave that out talk about your transition to west virginia and your family's experience with charleston since you've moved here 
It's been a great transition. Uh, everybody we've met so far has been, you know, super welcoming, uh, super friendly and helping us out and get acquainted with the area. Uh, I don't recommend starting a business and having a baby at the same time. But, <laughs> but, I, I understand that. <laughs> we're making the best of it. <laughs> That's got to be a huge challenge. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, obviously, for you and <laughs> your you. family. Well, coming up uh, for this late winter and, and maybe looking into spring 2023, give us some previews of new beers we can expect at Fife Street. So we're still in the process of developing our kettle sour program. Uh, we'll definitely get deeper into that and have some little more variety come out uh, over the, hot, the warmer months, definitely. Uh, I think we want to start using our conditioning tanks for a little bit of lager experiments, too. Do some... Uh, Lighter style lagers, again, hitting that low ABV kind of sessionable beer. Talk more about those styles. You say lower ABV, what are you talking? I would say anything in the four to six range. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty good reception with our, what I would say, German style beers. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've had a couple of requests for traditional German pills or, you know, Hellas lagers. And that's where you probably start? That, yeah. I think the, uh, the lighter, cleaner ones, uh, and we'll see how the not only how they're received but how our brewing process goes before we delve yeah. into anything a little more complicated and if you move to the into the kettle sours what direction are you going to take there that's a good question i think it's just more uh developing our technique and trying to get the acidity where we like it um trying to get um you know better acquainted with the system and how we can um, sour more efficiently uh, we might need to look at some different processes, but uh, we're using the time right now. You know, it's kind of off season for sours, but now is the sure. time to mess with that and get cool. it nailed down for summertime. Sure. Where will you start with a kettle sours? So we've done uh, three kettle sour batches so far in the big system. Uh, I'm pretty happy with my temperature regimen right now. Uh, I'm still messing around with some different bacterias, and uh, I think from here we'll go to. You know, tweaking the grain bills and getting the alcohol contents up a little higher. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, it's just kind of blending in different fruits, maybe finding some local suppliers for mm. some, some locally grown stuff. Sure. Yeah, so we got quick sours. We've got uh, some more lagers. Um, is there another direction that we might see here or beyond? I know just rebrewing some of the ones that have been popular, uh, and you might even mention a couple of those that might be on the schedule this spring. Uh, sure. In cans, we have um, our Blarney Fife Irish Red Ale coming out. Uh, that'll be available right around the St. Paddy, Paddy's Day holiday. Uh, later in the year, we're going to have cans of our Liver Quiver Quad and Sternwheeler Stout. <laughs> Liver <available>. Quiver Quad. <laughs> that was, that's, that's been here before, so that's a rebrew, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the more successful ones we've had in the tap room are uh, are going to full scale. Uh, like I said before, we're we're yeah. working on perfecting the uh, hazy IPA, the one that we want to call Fife Street Hazy IPA. Okay. Uh, so that should be around you know mid summertime. Well, before we close this interview, let's focus focus on some future beer directions. You know, let's you know imagine you're gonna like predict the future. So what are some things that you see on the horizon for Fife? Fife Street in particular, or for the West Virginia beer market? Uh, particularly in Fife Street, I think we're still sort of in the infancy stage as far as finding our particular finger or footprint and, uh, you know, 
brewing styles that we want to see all the time. Um, Buy figuring kids. out, yep, figuring out where we're going to distribute, how far we want to distribute, mm-hmm. um, and making the most of our equipment. You know, we have a pretty small distribution footprint. We'd like to expand it a little bit, but we want to make sure that we're not overselling and unable to uh, keep anybody supplied. Um, how are you handling that distribution as far as staffing? Has there had to be some changes made or are we able to take that in? Uh, yep. For the most part, uh, one of our assistant brewers has just stepped up and um, taken over the distribution. Uh, you know, like I said, it's still a pretty small footprint, so we're making deliveries once a week. Um, and it's usually not more than a handful of kegs at a time. So, Not too challenging. Yeah, pretty simple so far. We'll see how the summer goes. Nice. Well, Charles and I and all of our listeners here at West Virginia Beer Roads wish you guys the best of luck and want nothing more than for you to succeed and do very well. So thank you very much, Gil, for being here on this episode of West Virginia Beer Roads. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.